0: Hey, good evening, West Houston Christian Center. This is Pastor Jack C. coming to you from the sanctuary at West Houston Christian Center. And uh, this is my first time with you this year. And uh, if you've been with us, I've been trying to share a little bit of vision of what I believe that God has for West Houston Christian Center for the year 2021. And uh, I really kind of felt impressed on our midweek services to start talking about uh, the gifts of the Spirit and more specifically, um, our best friend, the Holy Ghost. Uh, There had been some prophecies for 2021 concerning the local church and a restoration of power, a restoration of healing, uh, a restoration of prosperity, a restoration uh, of the place that I believe the local church was supposed to hold in this world. And uh, for us to be that church, that church of power, uh, you know, God supplied all the power we were ever going to need when He gave us His precious Holy Spirit. And uh, He gave us these wonderful gifts of the Spirit. And uh, what I believe that we're heading into is more of the gifts of miracles, the gifts of healings, the gift of faith. And uh, that really is the power gifts, three of the power gifts that uh, that God gave to us and gave to the church. But the funny thing about uh, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit and when we talk about the Holy Spirit is that if we don't preach and teach about it, it's not going to manifest. These things don't just manifest uh, because we want them to. The gifts manifest as He wills, as we're going to find out as we get into a deeper study of these things. And so uh, today we'll be kind of just talking about the Holy Ghost. Um, I am using one of Brother uh, Hagen's books on. Uh, it's called "Concerning Spiritual Gifts." There's 26 lessons in that book. I'm taking the majority of what I'm going to teach directly from that book, um, and so I, I think he's one of the authorities um, for the later Day Church on the gifts of the Spirit, the manif- manifestation of the Spirit. And, uh, and those things. So first, I just wanted to give you just a little bit of a testimony um, of when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, I was, we were raised in a, a Christian home. Pastors Jack and Mary Jean are my parents, my two brothers, Michael and Troy. Uh, we were raised in a denominational church and uh, we went to church every Sunday and we loved it. Uh, it, was a, it was a great church. We had a lot of friends. There was a lot of fellowship. And uh, uh, it, was, uh, it was church, and that's all we knew church to be. Well, my mother uh, got uh, radically saved <laughs> in the midst of that and got baptized in the Holy Spirit and uh, started this walk in the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, uh, everything in our home began to change. And uh, she talked differently, she walked differently. There was, uh, church wasn't just church anymore. Church wasn't church just to go to church anymore. Uh, All of a sudden now, there was this power and this presence, and then there was this desire, uh, and there was this hunger to know God. And honestly, that had never been in our home before, as far as I knew. Uh, Both my parents might've been searching for God in their own way, but as far as just a child in the home, um, church was just something we got up. We went to on Sundays. Uh, we hope we got to go to Luby's or Los Tios when it was over. Uh, it's where our elementary friends went. It was um, our social uh, outlet at times. You know, it was a good church, good people, uh, good friends. Um, but all of a sudden when my mom got baptized in the Holy Spirit, who by the way, got baptized in the Holy Spirit because the organ player in this specific church was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, so she got, uh, my mom got radically saved. And uh, like I said, things started to change. Uh, Not soon, uh, far after that, uh, my father had an experience uh, where he uh, got radically saved and born again uh, in the midst of doing outreach at this church we were in. And uh, now they're both baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's when things really started to change around the Pigeon household. And so um, uh, there was, um, at that time, in that church, lots of families. Well, all of a sudden, uh, due to some things happening in the leadership of that church and the direction that church was going in, majority of the people in that church left. And some went to Presbyterian churches and Uh, some went to episcopal churches but we ended up in an assembly of god church because my parents had been baptized in the holy spirit so we found ourselves going from this wonderful easy church service on sunday mornings they gave you a bulletin they told you what time the church uh, what time the service started they told you what songs we were going to sing they told you um, we were going to do the offering at this point, and there was going to be about eight and a half to 12 minutes for a sermon, and then there was going to be a benediction, and if the Oilers were playing, there was an earlier benediction so everybody who had season tickets could get down to the Astrodome and be there for the football game, and that was just church as we knew it. Well, now we're into Brazewood Assembly of God, and it was a church not of hundreds but of thousands and it was big, and I remember the first time we walked into one of the services, uh, the sanctuary was big, everything was big, Uh, the music was different, Uh, there were people raising their hands, Um, there were people speaking in these weird, unknown languages around us, Uh, but all I remember is my mother would just cry. Uh, Pastor Earl J. Banning, amazing man of God, uh, I think that was the first time um, my parents had ever experienced someone um, preaching the gospel with authority and uh, my mom uh, then and does today had such a hunger for the Word of God and for the things of God, and uh, my father also and uh so now we're in a, a, a spirit-filled church, a Pentecostal church, and when I looked at the bulletin that first Sunday morning, which is what we did, uh, I noticed that the, the bulletin was much bigger, and all of a sudden it didn't give you this blow-by-blow breakdown, and all of a sudden when I looked at the end, it didn't tell you what time the service ended. Uh, And that was very perplexing as a young man who was used to being home and playing and church just being another thing that we did. And uh, so we started this experience of Brazewood Assembly of God. Now, I was probably uh, junior high, moving into high school when this happened. Um, I had had a born again experience at some point. Uh, And I'm thankful uh, for that, that at some point I had asked Jesus to come into my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Um, I was not instructed how to live my life now that that had happened. But on a Sunday night at Brazewood Assembly of God, when I was probably either 12 or 13 years old, Pastor David Rose was down at the front and they had an invitation. If you'd never been baptized in the Holy Spirit then uh, you were invited to come down and receive it with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And uh, it was something that I had heard. We'd been in this church now long enough. It uh, had been taught upon, so it wasn't weird or strange. It was actually very normal and natural. It was part of the salvation. So I went down front, and Pastor Rose met me right there, and uh, he prayed with me. And that moment, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I didn't run around the building. I didn't swing from the chandeliers. I didn't froth at the mouth. Uh, It did not knock me you know, into the next uh, building. Um, I had all my faculties, all my senses. It was a very peaceful, matter of fact, it was almost too peaceful. But I remember all of a sudden feeling these words coming out of my spirit for the very first time. And I began to pray in what the Bible calls other tongues. This is not the gift of tongues that's talked about as a ministry gift uh, along with the other uh, eight gifts that Paul talks about in Corinthians. This is the initial infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is Acts chapter 2, when they were all gathered in one accord and tongues of fire appeared above their heads, and they said they all began speaking in other tongues. And of course, everybody in the town is hearing these uh, uh, these men speak in these other languages and people from those actual dialects begin to understand what they were saying and they were all praising and worshiping God in their own tongue. And of course, that's when uh, famously someone asked, are these men just drunk? And Peter gets up and Peter preaches the first Holy Ghost inspired uh, message in the Bible. And 3000 people got saved. This was the same Peter who had denied Jesus Christ. This was the same Peter that had walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, seen Jesus do every miracle, was a part of everything that Jesus did, was in that boat when every fish in the Galilee tried to jump into it. This was Peter. He had seen it all. He had been with Jesus, but yet denied Jesus three times. But when Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit Something changed in his life. All of a sudden, that tibboneness, all of a sudden, uh, that fear of man, all of that got washed away. And now here's Peter standing, preaching on that day when they were hunting Christians at that time. They had killed Jesus already, but now here's Peter. And uh, he preached one of the most powerful, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled messages. And that day, 3,000 people got saved. Well, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost uh, when I was 12 or 13. Now, I wish I could tell you that it catapulted me into just a very strong personal spiritual life. I had a lot of flesh issues that I uh, was in the midst of and that I had never dealt with. And unfortunately, I actually went the complete opposite direction. From 13 to about 24, uh, 23, 24 years old, I ran from God. Um, I knew uh, the life that I was living was wrong. Uh, I knew that it was not a biblical life that I was living. I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew exactly that what the Bible said about it, I was making a choice to live an opposite way. Um, But here's the weird thing and the funny thing and the most precious thing about God is that I never lost the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I could still pray in tongues. And uh, I'm just so thankful that there was enough residue of God in me in those years and all the prayer that went up for me so that when I got older, um, when I rededicated my life to the Lord and in February, that'll be 29 years, that I didn't have to get rebaptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been with me the whole time. And uh, you know, when the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, You know, God had every reason. He could have ripped that gift from me at any moment. I I knew what I was doing was wrong. Um, I I made conscious choices and decisions. I planned to do evil. So there was nothing ambiguous. There was nothing, well, I didn't know what I was doing. I knew exactly what I was doing. But yet in the midst of it, God did not yank that precious Holy Spirit from me. And I will say today as a, a pastor, as a father, um, that I need to put, I, I don't know the Holy Spirit enough. I don't think I put emu- enough demand upon that gift that God has placed in us um, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I do know, speaking as the pastor of this church, that this is where we're going and that uh, the Holy Spirit is not something to be afraid of. It's not something weird or kooky. Uh, really, it was normal and natural when someone got saved in the Bible, they also got filled with the Holy Ghost. And now we've taken it and made it two separate um, encounters with the Lord. Uh, And so as we get into the study on the Holy Spirit, I'm going to try and show you that there are some differences between being born again and then there are differences between the actual infilling of the Holy Spirit, amen? But first, we wanna take a little break right here. Uh, Pastor Mike's gonna come with some uh, excited, anointed announcements about what's going on at West Houston Christian Center. We'll see you in a moment. Amen, thank you, Pastor Michael. Uh, I'm just so happy that we're reiterating our four new things for uh, 2021. One of them I would just wanna key on for a minute is when we're talking about inviting someone to church. Um, one of the, the main reasons that God gave us the Holy Spirit, uh, what Jesus said is that, so you would be a witness for me. And he listed Samaria, Jerusalem, all the outermost parts of the world. Uh, when we uh, are talking about personal evangelism, and when we're talking about being a light, Um, I don't have to go work something up to invite somebody to church. I've already received, if I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I already have that power to be a witness inside of me. But the cool thing about the Holy Spirit is he is the perfect gentleman. He is not going to all of a sudden take me over and begin to say and do things. No, demons want to possess people and take them over. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us and guide us. So if we'll be more conscious about the Holy Spirit, be more God inside minded, that when I am out and about in this world, he might lead you to say something to somebody. You know, inviting someone to church is a big step. And when we're inviting people to church, we're not just randomly walking around looking for people, inviting them to church. We're looking for people who need what we offer at West Houston Christian Center. And that is a firm, Bible-based discipleship in the things of God. Uh, so when you're inviting people to church, you're looking for people. We all need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. And uh, we're endeavoring at the church to make sure that there are opportunities at every broadcast and at every service to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So. When we're talking about inviting people to church, we're talking about tapping into that power that's inside of us to be a witness and letting that be the, the energy and the strength and the courage that we need to go out and do what God's called us to do. Amen. So we're going to start our study in the Holy Spirit in, in Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to begin in chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed And there was great joy in that city. Verse 9, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the greatest power of God." And they heeded him because he was astonishing them with his sorceries for a long time. This is what I want to get to in verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now, I want you to notice that Philip... Uh, during the dispersion, Paul had gotten letters from the eldership of the Sanhedrin. He had permission to go and find these new Christians, these ones that were uh, not following the Jewish law anymore but were now following the teachings of, at that time, an outlawed Jesus Christ who had been crucified. And uh, there was much upheaval in the church. All the power had shifted from the law to this new thing called grace. And let me know, you know, when the devil senses that he's losing power, um, that's when he starts um, trying to cause as much destruction and chaos as he can. So what happened was, is that Philip, he goes down to Samaria. All Philip knows is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, obviously, Philip flowed in some of the gifts of the Spirit because it's said that he did miracles and he cast out demons. Really what he was doing was just following what Jesus had said during the Great Commission. In my name, uh, you will cast out demons. In my name, uh, you will heal the sick. In my name, you will speak with new tongues. In my name, if you drink anything deadly, it shall no longer hurt you. If you pick up a snake, it shall not hurt you. So all of a sudden they are just by faith taking Jesus at his word and going out and preaching this gospel. They're just doing what they knew to do. Well, as he did what he knew to do, the power and the grace was there, the power to do miracles, the power to cast out demons. So he preached Samaria and it's in Samaria and it says all the men and women got baptized, amen. These people were saved. They were born again people, Um, but nowhere does it say that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. When they says that men and women were baptized, He baptized them in water. They had met the requirements of scriptural salvation. These people were born again. Mark 16, 15 is that verse that I was talking about when it talks about the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. These people were saved, yet they had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit and the only reason I'm reading that is to show you and prove you through Scripture that there are two experiences, both involve the Holy Spirit. The first experience we have uh, of meeting the Holy Spirit is when we ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. It is the Holy Spirit that comes into us He's the one that burns away all of the chaff. He's the one that comes in and purifies us. It's his Holy Spirit that comes into our spirit and turns that light on, which we now become alive to the things of God. It's that Holy Spirit. It's that power of the Holy Spirit that comes into us, uh, that cleans us out and makes the room ready for Jesus to come live in. It purifies us. There's a purifying part of the Holy Spirit. But there is a second experience, which we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is not the indwelling of the Spirit. That is Acts chapter 2. That is when we are filled with fresh fire from the Holy Spirit and we are endued with power for service. The first time the Holy Spirit comes into us, it's to clean us out. It's to make the room ready so that God himself can now live in our hearts. Amen. We're now sanctified. We're now alive for the very first time. The second time the Holy Spirit comes into us, it is to empower us to now go and be that witness and to do what God has called us to do. I just wanna remind you what we talked about Peter before. Peter, who saw Jesus, experienced the miracles, did everything with Jesus. He saw it all, he heard it all, he lived with Jesus. Uh, uh, I mean, he got up with him every day. He was there when Jesus cursed the fig tree. He was there when he did all the miracles. But yet when it came down, uh, when Jesus was being crucified, uh, Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And that's exactly what Peter did. Just because you see miracles, it doesn't endue you with power. Just because we see the miraculous, while it's wonderful and it feeds your faith, it's not enough for to produce that power in you so that you can go and do the same thing. We needed a helper. We needed a comforter. And Jesus wanted to make sure when he left the earth that he didn't leave us here as orphans. He didn't leave us here alone. He wanted to leave us in the same power that he walked in so that we could do the same things. I want you to remember that uh, Jesus got baptized when Jesus was baptized by John. The dove, they, they saw the anointing come down like a dove. It wasn't a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. It came down like a dove, very similar to Elisha's mantle. When it came down, when the chariots of heaven picked him up, it floated down onto Elisha. The Holy Spirit came on Jesus. And the first thing that happened with Jesus is he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's tempted by Satan for 40 days. Uh, but after the end of those 40 days, it says he returned in the power of the Spirit. And now you have the miracle portion of Jesus's ministry start to take place. Jesus didn't do miracles until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So two very, very different uh, encounters that we have with the Holy Ghost. There is an experience following salvation of being filled with the Holy Spirit. As I said before, there is a work of the Holy Spirit involved in the new birth called being born again or receiving eternal life. We are born again by the Word of God, amen, because it is incorruptible. I want you to look at 1 Peter 1.23. For through the word of the living and enduring God, you have been born again. And this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but you will live and grow inside of you forever. Amen. We are born again by the in- incorruptible word. That seed that's inside of us can never be corrupted because it comes from heaven itself. Amen. Amen. So when we get born again, the Holy Spirit is just the vehicle in which that word comes into our hearts, purifies us, cleans us out so that Jesus himself, God himself, you become the new holy of holies. Everything that happened at the crucifixion when the, when the curtain was rent from top to bottom in the holy of holies, God left that building and now he dwells in the hearts of men. Well, in order for God to dwell in the heart of a man, it has to be sanctified. There there has to be a a, a purification that takes place because God, it would would burn us up from the inside out. So when we get born again, we get that measure of the Holy Spirit um, to sanctify us, to edify us, to justify us, to do all those wonderful things. But then the second time we get baptized with the actual baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, that infilling dwelling comes inside of us and the the thing that God gives us to show us that we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues, and we'll get into that as we move through this study. Now, I want you to notice that both Peter and John, when they find out what's happening in Samaria, are sent there to find out what's going on. So in Acts chapter eight, beginning in verse fourteen through seventeen, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. I'm sorry, verse 15. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, for as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice right there. It says they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Everybody that they laid hands on received the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a few. It wasn't just one. Everyone that they laid hands on received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. The Holy Spirit is not just for Pentecostal charismatic people. The Holy Spirit is given for everyone. I want you to notice that Peter and John laid hands on everyone there and the the prerequisite was not um, what tribe they were in. The prerequisite was not how much money they had. The prerequisite was not how much education they had. The prerequisite for being filled with the Holy Spirit where the evidence of speaking in tongues was is that they had received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And if you're watching me today and you've never heard any of these things before, I just encourage you to get into the book of Acts for yourself. If you're a born again believer, I'm just gonna challenge you today to take a few minutes when we're done with this broadcast close your eyes, go to God and say, Father, I see now in the scripture that the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, is for me. I see in the scripture today that it's never passed away. There's not one scripture in the Bible, not one that says the Holy Spirit has passed away. There's not one scripture that says that it died with uh, with the apostles. There's not one scripture that says that it's dead and buried. It's, I challenge anyone out there to show it to me. It's not in the Bible. Uh, the Holy Spirit is for today. And if you're struggling with power in your Christian life, this is the power that you need. It's a power that can help deal with addiction. It's a, it's a power that can help with temptation. It's a power that God gives to us to be that witness, empowers us to do all those things that we're called to do. Amen? But we got to take advantage of what we have inside of us. So I want you to notice that these people were saved. And so John, Peter, and John go down there, they lay hands on them, and they all uh begin speaking in other tongues, and they receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now I want you to notice that Philip was an evangelist. Philip was there, Philip was an evangelist, he preached to them Jesus, he operated in the gifts of miracles uh, because, like I said before, people were getting healed, they were getting delivered, blind eyes are opening, deaf ears are opening there's restoration, all these wonderful things. If you go back and you look in the previous chapter in Acts, because if he did all things, he said there was great joy in the city. Salvation should bring great joy wherever we are, amen? Because when we get saved, when we get healed and we get delivered, there should be great joy. There should be great joy in our life because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and the price that was paid, amen? But he didn't even just leave us there. He gives us power. He gives us more. He Jesus said, look, I'm gonna leave the earth, but I'm gonna send another. I'm gonna send the comforter, the Paracletos, the helper. He's going to be with you. So it's as if Jesus is still here with us, amen? So I want you to notice also that there was traveling with them a man that they called Simon the Sorcerer. Okay? Now, let me back up real quick. As I said before, Peter, um, uh, Philip was flowing in the office of evangelist. Not everybody has the same giftings. Philip's gifting was getting people saved, getting them born again, and then flowing in healing and in miracles and those types of things. He didn't have, uh, it wasn't in him or on him in his ministry gift to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. That's where Peter and John came in. Peter and John came in and their ministry gift, guess what? Was to lay hands on people so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. If we all just do our part, we can get through this thing together. Amen. I just have to do my part. Amen. My part might be just preaching and teaching the word. Well, my wife's part might be laying hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that anybody, if you're really hungry for God, you can receive the Holy Spirit right where you're at. And that's really all you have to do is just receive it. No one prayed that someone would get it. That's very, very important. When I pray for someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not praying, oh Lord, I pray that they get it. Like it's got to come from somewhere. No, no, no. When I'm trying to get you to receive it, that means it's already here. I'm not waiting to go get it and then you can have it. I'm saying it's already here. All you have to do is receive it. It's the same with healing. It's the same with everything else as we move forward. We just They just prayed that they would receive the gift that was already given. That gift was given in Acts chapter two. The Holy Spirit was already here. He was just connecting it to it through their receiving. What's another word through receiving? Through their faith. They just had to believe and then step out in what they were asked to do. So powerful. So, With Peter and John was this man called Simon the Sorcerer. And if we look at Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 17. Now this is Peter and John. Remember what we said before. They laid hands on everyone in Samaria and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon, and this was the sorcerer, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon tried to buy the ability to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't try and buy the Holy Spirit. He saw that as Peter and John were laying hands on people, something was happening. Now, the question is, is he had to have seen something happen to know that it was happening. He had to experience, there had to be some sort of a physical manifestation that this Simon saw that it was so great, that it was so wonderful, that it was so amazing. He was like, I will pay you all the money that I have if you will give me this ability to lay my hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. What did Simon see? We believe that Simon actually saw these people begin to speak with other tongues. That was the evidence that they had been baptized in this Holy Spirit. They were one way before they laid their hands on him. And after they laid hands on him, now these people were worshiping and praising God with this wonderful, beautiful tongues that they had received as the initial evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. The same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2. Simon had to have seen something. It says, and when he saw, he saw something. There had to have been a manifestation of something to happen for him to notice that there was something different going on. There had to be something different. Verse 18, Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. And we believe that it was the speaking in tongues. Now listen, as we're finishing up today, Speaking in tongues is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues, but they do go hand in hand. Where you have one, you should have the other. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we as a Spirit-filled church, we stop with just the infilling or just with speaking in tongues. That's just the beginning. There's more to it. There are the gifts of the Spirit. There are praying in other tongues. There's so many Positives. There's so many benefits to praying in other tongues. You know, when we pray in tongues, we're praying the perfect will of God as we're gonna find out as we get through this study. Uh, when we pray in other tongues, and, I, and I, what I'm encouraging our congregation to do, if you're part of West Houston Christian Center, is when you are fasting that one meal a week uh, for this year, that you take that hour and you pray in other tongues, but you have a journal with you and you also pray to interpret what God is saying. When you're praying over a specific situation, pray in tongues over that situation and then pray that you would interpret and write down what God says, amen? Um, When, if you have been, had the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you should have the evidence of tongues to go along with it. Now, and then we'll finish with this. I want you to notice that when Peter and John went to Samaria, they did not teach the congregation or the crowd who had been saved and who had been baptized in water to tarry or to wait. There was one time in the Bible that Jesus uh, told the apostles and uh, uh, that group of 120 to go to the upper room to tarry, to wait on the Holy Spirit. That was a one-time thing. There was a specific time when the Holy Spirit was going to come. Those 120 were all in that room together when the Holy Spirit fell. We do not have to tarry anymore for the Holy Spirit. There is no such thing as coming down to the altar in the year 2021 and tarrying and waiting for the Holy Spirit. All that does is, is, is spark confusion. All that does is turn it into a works mentality it's a free gift that God has already given us, and all we have to do is receive it. Amen. All we have to do is to receive it. Well, I'm going to stop there tonight. I hope you're as excited about. I am. I want to encourage us all to pray in tongues more. Uh, you know, Smith Wigglesworth made this comment. He said, "There's there's rarely a time that I pray for more than 30 minutes." but he says there never is a time where I go more than 30 minutes without praying. Praying in the Holy Spirit is a powerful, powerful tool for us as a believer. And I just want to encourage us to, to pray in the Spirit, pray in your understanding, sing in the Spirit, sing in your understanding. These are things that God gives us. It helps us in the renewing of our mind. It helps us in discerning the voice of the Holy Spirit and hearing God's voice, amen. Well, this is Pastor Jack C. Uh, Michelle and I love you very, very much. We're excited about 2021, about what God's doing. He's moving in our congregation. He's moving in our city. He's moving in our county. He's moving in our state. He's moving in our nation. He's moving in our world. Jesus is coming soon. And uh, we're excited to be a part of this great end time harvest. God bless you. My beautiful wife is coming now with a special message.